So I thank God for, uh, for, for people like Pastor Rob, Pastor Ephraim, and I'm sure that they are a great blessing uh, to you. Let me, let me pray, uh, and then we're going to um, turn to God's Word. Father, that we know that your word does not return to you void. And so we pray, Lord, that as we look at your word, as we see what it says, Lord, that you would speak to us, not just to our heads, but to our hearts. Lord, may it be something that we take, we understand, uh, but Lord, by your spirit, you equip us to do all that is good and to do your will in building your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I understand you've been looking at this topic, authentic joy, and uh, I, I didn't know this guy until, you, uh, until I got sent the, the, this slide. It says, one of the infallible signs of the presence of God is joy. It is an unmistakable badge of divine ownership. And you've been going through Philippians, and uh, and there's three things here in in chapter three. We're just going to look at we're going to look at the last one, so we're not taking the whole chapter. Um, I know that normally you only had you, your your sermon is is normally about fifteen twenty minutes. Is that right? <laughs> is that that's that's just the first half? Is it? That's that's that takes you up to half time. Yeah. Okay, so we're just, we're just going to look at those last few verses there. But to, to get that build up, Paul has looked at the past. This is where I have come from. This is where you have come from. This is where we are right now. These are my present circumstances that whatever was to my gain, I consider loss. And now Paul turns to the future. Where am I going? Where am I going? And so this is what we're looking at. We're heading for glory. I don't know whether um, the worship team were, were looking at the titles and, in planning the songs, but a lot of them seem to be about we're looking to heaven. Yeah? That's where we're looking but when we think about heaven and we think about going to heaven, what kind of things come to mind? Someone um, told a story about there were three people who stood at the pearly gates of heaven. Now, I don't believe this is not my theology, okay? I don't believe that St. Peter is standing at the pearly gates waiting to welcome people in. But here is a story. Three people go there, a teacher, a dustman, and a politician. And they all stand at the pearly gates. And Peter says to them, in order to come in, you've got to answer one question. And so they all line up and they go, okay, we'll answer the question. Teacher goes, well, I'll go first, because taking charge. And so Peter says to him, what was the name of the ship that crashed into the iceberg? And they've just made a movie about it. They've made more than one movie about it. The teacher looks at him and says, yes, well, that would be the, that, that would be the Titanic. And Peter says, yes, you can, you can come in. And then the dustman steps forward. But Peter looks at him and, and goes, well, oh, mate, you, you smell a bit. Yeah, maybe what um, Pastor Rob was talking about earlier, sometimes you know, it, 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 there's filthy rags, but God, re, God reclothes us. But the dustman comes up, and Peter's not so sure about whether he wants the dustman in. So he says to him, how many people actually died on the Titanic? Well, the dustman had actually seen the film. And so he said, well, I know that answer. It's 1,228. Peter was a bit staggered, but he said, oh, I need to let you in. So then he looks at the politician. And he says to them, I'd like you to name all of them. 
Now, that, that's just a joke. That's not my theology. But it, it, it gives an example of the kind of things that we think about. You know, in society, it's a bit of a joke. We talk about the pearly gates and how do you get in and what about this and what about that. But what we need to know is we are heading for glory. There is a destination that you and I are heading for if we put our trust in the Lord. So I got this this morning because I need to know where I'm going. Do I need this? How many of you are carrying your passports around with you so that when you get to heaven, you go, go through border control and there's a stamp put in your passport to say, yeah, you're in. Is that how it works? What, what have they been teaching you? <laughs> you just go, like, where's he going with this? Do we need to know where we are going. Huh? And so by the time we pray, by the time we finish, what I would want is that you have an assurance as a believer of where you are going. And if you're not a believer, that you know how you can have that assurance of where you're going. Because that is what Paul is going to be talking about. And we're going to look at these big words called glorification. And we're going to look at some other big words like sanctification and justification. Uh, you can tell I use those words and I have to practice really hard to know what they're about. So let's, let's look at these verses. If you want to um, uh, read them out loud, let's read, read this together. Um, so Philippians three seventeen to, to 21. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. So, where do we start? Can we click it on? My clicker is... There we go. Follow Paul's example. He starts by saying, follow my example. Be imitators of me. And that be imitators or join in imitating me is a command imperative. It is you must do this. It's not optional. It's going, well, if you'd like to, you can have a think about it. It is be imitators do this this is an expectation of what it means to be a believer be imitators of me be fellow imitators of Christ what does that begin to mean It will begin to mean, as he has outlined in his present circumstances, and we see it particularly in verse 7, that I consider anything that was to my profit as loss. So anything that if I think I am heading for glory because look at what I've done. I am a Pharisee. I was a teacher of the law. I was all of these things, Paul can say. And then look at my sufferings. I've done all of this and I've suffered for the Lord and I've had all of that. All of that stuff does not get you anywhere. And so he says, I consider it loss. For what? For the surpassing knowledge of, of knowing Christ. So what are you putting your hope in? Because if it's in you, then it's just the same as relying on this 
to get into heaven. Or maybe, well, maybe if I do some good stuff, maybe that will outweigh the bad stuff. That's current thinking, isn't it? If I can just outweigh, do a bit more good than bad. I once uh, went and spoke at a school CU meeting, and my title was, Can You Be a Chelsea Supporter and a Christian? I mean, that was a number of years ago when Chelsea had quite a bad reputation. All right? But it's got nothing to do with what we can do. And as Pastor Rob reminded us this morning, it is as filthy rags. Even our best, best things that we do are as filthy rags. So we've got to consider that as loss and put that to one side. And so what do we do? The second command that he gives is keep your eyes or follow others' example. Who are the people that they are following? Because if we're not following the right people, if we're not looking to those who will lead us closer to Christ, then what do we do? The Bible tells us we will turn to listen to anybody that our rich ears are wanting to hear from. If we know we're heading in the wrong direction, who do we want to listen to? We want to listen to some people who will tell us this is all right. And Paul is saying, no. You know, if you want to go that way, you'll find plenty of people who will tell you this is all right because they want to justify their way of living. I once had a Christian telling me that... uh, he wasn't committing adultery because the woman that he was, he was seeing had, had, had left her husband. So I said, so she's divorced then? She's finished? Oh, no, 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 actually. But it's as good as. And I had to say to him, why are you trying to convince me that this is right? When you clearly know it's wrong. You know, if you want someone to tell you that it's right, then there's plenty of people that will tell you it's right. Who are you looking to? Who are you following? Who are the examples? Who are the mentors that you seek to follow? I once uh, met one of my mentors, a guy called Tony Campolo. Some of you might might know him. Um, And uh, back in the 80s, when most of you were uh, still small or hadn't been born yet, um, I was at at Bible college and I I came across Tony Campolo and and his teaching things. And I I was very shaped um, by the way he thought about society and shaping society and things like that. And, and one day I actually met him. I was at Spring Harvest and, I'm, and, and he was speaking at an after event. I was there um, in the, um, the mission area. And I said to my colleague, I want to go and I want to go and meet this guy. He has shaped my life. He's made me passionate about mission. I want to go and I want to go and see him. And so I got in this queue. There were queues of people who were wanting him to sign the book, their book, his latest book, which I'd already got. I'd already read it. But they were queuing up, and, and it was like they were worshipping this guy. And, I, and I'm practicing what I want to say to him. You know, do I call him Tony? Do I call him Mr. Campolo? What do I call him, sir? How do, I, how do I address him? All I want to do is just say to him, thank you for being faithful to the gospel and inspiring me to do the same. And I'm running that through in my head. I'm just going round and round in my head. And as I get to the front of the queue... He puts his hand out to take a book from me. And I go, I haven't got a book. And he said, okay, Phil, what, would you, what do you want? And I'm stood there. I've now wet myself because he knows my name. And I'm thinking, has God told you my name? Are you going to give me a word for today? And then he said, no, you've got your name on your... <laughs> I said to him, Mr. Campolo, I just want to say to you, thank you for inspiring me to do mission, to do evangelism, and to see people saved for Christ. That's all I want to say to you. And he went, oh, Phil, 
because he's kind of Italian-American, and he just grabbed me. And I'm thinking, I'm hugging Tony Campolo. And there must have been a moment when he's thinking, is this guy ever going to let me go? Who are the people that have shaped your life? Just turn to the person next to you for 10 seconds. Tell them the name of someone that you thank God for, for putting them in your life, that has shaped your life, and, and has taken you from not going that way and pointed you in a direction that you know you're heading towards Christ. Just share that with the person next to you. Okay, let's come back. You, you guys like to talk, don't you? You like to share. I said, we're going to give you 10 seconds. You're off. Yeah, just. We need to imitate Christ. But then he says this. He starts to raise this question, where are you heading? Where are you going? And in verse 18 says this, for many, of whom, for many of whom I've often told you, and now I tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. We need to recognize enemy territory. We are called into a battle. So if we're called into a battle, why do you think God gave us armour? It's not that we can leave it in the wardrobe and go, oh yeah, just in case. It is for our protection because he says, you are in a battle. There are, there are powers in heaven and on earth that will seek you to pull you in a different direction. So we need to recognise enemy territory. We need to recognize when we've walked into enemy territory. Peter walked into enemy territory because he wanted to see what was going to happen to Jesus. But what happened? He put himself in enemy territory and he allowed himself to be quizzed and then he denies Jesus three times. We need to recognize enemy territory. And we need to recognize the conduct of enemies. And it's no good just to preach and think, well, we've told people and walk away. What does Paul do? Paul didn't simply preach and then he goes, all right, sorry, guys, I'm, you know, I've got missionary journeys to do, so I just leave you, off I go. We read elsewhere, he, he gets letters from them. How is this church going? I'm praying for you. And now he says, with tears, with tears I have said this to you. And I'm saying it to you again, and it makes me cry that you are not moving in the direction that I taught you. It makes me cry. And so I say it with tears. Do not listen to these enemies and what they're seeking to teach. And you know what? This is the only place in the Bible that we're told that Paul cries. You can Google that if you want to, but why is that? Because the Philippians are the people that support him when he's in jail. They send him gifts. They're generous. They do all of this stuff. And so when people have walked with you and shared with you and lived a life with you and then they walk away, that's hard, isn't it? 
When we see brothers and sisters in Christ turn away and walk in another direction, it should make us cry. And that's before we've even talked about those um, who haven't even started that journey. We need to be aware. One of the earliest manuscripts um, and best attested manuscripts would be translated, be aware of the enemies of the cross of Christ. Be aware of anyone who seeks to either go the cross plus or something other than the cross. Because where are they heading? Verse 19 says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. There will be destruction, or the word is annihilation. This will be the Avengers end game. Keep up, some of you. Have you seen Avengers? Yeah. yeah. Jesus says that he gives his sheep eternal life and that no one can snatch them away from him. But he also says there will be those that perish and die. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. It's foolishness. So when you go out on the streets, last Saturday, this Saturday, for some people, the message that you preach will be foolishness. They'll just laugh at you. We who are being saved know it is the very power of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, In flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus, they will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. What is their glory? Their belly. What they eat. The immediate. What is your glory? In 1994, see we've moved moved a decade. 1994, I was at Wembley Stadium. Chelsea were in the FA Cup final. I'd said, I'm never going to go and to an FA Cup final until Chelsea there. I was too young in 1970 when they beat Leeds. Half time, it's nil-nil. Gavin Peacock, who's a Christian uh, pastor now, had just hit the bar. Second half came, 4-0 to Manchester United. Me and my friend, we just left the stadium. There was no glory. Three years later, I was back. The game kicks off. There's a lady with her daughter next to me, and she's complaining because everyone has stood up, and they're standing on their seats. So the game kicks off. I go, look, help, let me help you get on your chair. Right, you, get on the chair. Right, I'm going to get on the chair. If you know the 1997 Cup final, it was the fastest, at the time, the fastest goal on record, 43 seconds. Roberto Di Matteo. I know, I was there. They get on the chair. I get on the chair. And all I look up, there's Di Matteo. He's shot. He's gone in the goal. And everyone goes, yeah. And I fall straight down off there. (laughs) But for three quarters of an hour after that game, Chelsea supporters celebrated like there was no tomorrow because we'd won nothing for something like 27 years. There was glory. At last, there was glory. And that was the start of a history of where they are now. But as I walk back to the station and suddenly I'm on the train and I'm going home, the glory faded. The glory faded. Because while we were with the crowd and while everyone was cheering and the, and the players were running around with the cup and we were all cheering, there was glory. But it finished. And if you want glory in this life... You'll get it. 
you'll get it. If you want reward, if you want people to tell you how brilliant they are, you are, then that will be it. You'll get it and that will be it. It will last for a period and we'll all go, oh, I feel so good because Shane told me how marvellous I was. Oh, I feel lovely and warm inside. <laughs> and then I'm in my car on the way home and I, and I start doubting what I believe. Because there was, that was my glory. It was, it was there and then it's gone. All right? If your glory is your belly after you've had a good meal, either you suffer with gut ache and IBS and stuff like that, or you go, oh, that was fantastic. Can't wait to have another one, but I couldn't eat another one now. The glory's there and then. But I want to move to something else. When you think of the, when you think of the lost, those that are heading for destruction, who do you think of? Who do you think of? Who are you praying for? Paul has a broken heart towards the people that he's talking to. Those that are lost, those that are headed for destruction. And so he shares his message with tears in his eyes. It costs him something because he knows where they're heading. Do we cry over those that we know who don't know Jesus? Just take a few seconds, just in your hearts, in your mind, pray about that first person. That, as I said that, who's the first person that comes to your mind? That it saddens you that you think, at this moment in time, they are not heading for glory, they're heading for destruction. Just take a moment, pray for them. And pray that God would use you to speak into their life. Who are these enemies that Paul is talking about? Who are these Judaizers? And what are, what are they spouting that are pulling people away and causing them uh, to walk in the wrong direction? What were, they, what were they teaching? What they were, what they were trying to do was, was reposition the Old Testament sacrificial system. Now we read in Hebrews that the curtain was torn in two in the temple. The curtain is torn in two and the way to God is open. They are wanting to stitch it back up again. And so you've got to come through eyes. You've got to come through certain laws and living the way that we do. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, he was the ultimate sacrifice. He ended the Old Testament sacrificial system. And here's the one I'm really relieved about. His circumcision was unnecessary. Because through Christ, in Philippians 3, the first 2 to 4, he talks about we have circumcision of the heart. He's looking to work in you all that is good in order that you will live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Paul calls them enemies of the cross. And it means that they're actively opposing the message. What they live for condemned the cross. Jesus had broken down the wall between Jews and Gentiles. He'd thrown the gospel wide open. And yet the Judaizers are trying to build that wall back up. Do we do the same? It's popular today to talk about diversity, about integration. But are we building walls or are we taking them down? I want you to have a look at this. This is something that I use in, in, in our lectures 
and ask people to do. Let me tell you, from the off, it is impossible. Okay? Um, so, there are five things on the left. Don't do these. There's five things on the right. Do these. What I would suggest is uh, uh, just take one. Now, normally, I, I have copyright on this. Otherwise, I would, have handed it, uh, I would have handed you out a copy of all of it. But you've got the slides, and uh, so you can take them away afterwards and, and, and look at it. But it's how do we speak? So for one week, for one week... Yeah. If Pastor Rob gets up next Sunday and says, right, how do we get on with your tongue assignment for one week? Number one, don't gossip. Woo! Don't gossip. All right, I, I, you know, I'm, no, I'm not going to look at two, three, four or five. Don't confess somebody else's sin. We are very good at discovering somebody else's sin and then going to somebody else and saying, I'll just tell you this in confidence. Pray for my brother. <laughs> Pray for my brother, Rob. He's an Arsenal supporter. You know what they're like. <laughs> he needs some prayer. Don't we do that? Yeah? Because there's some, we love it. But in law, where's, where's Harriet? She's a, she's a lawyer, isn't she? Yeah. In, in law, I understand that, that slander, the, the, the original word for slander, it, it, it's like ripping skin off someone. If you slander someone, if you speak evil of them, it is like you, it's literally tearing skin off. It hurts. It hurts me to share gossip. It hurts me to hear it. It changes the relationship. If something tells, someone tells me something about Rob that I don't want to hear... It has an impact on my relationship. How often do we turn to people and we say, do you, actually, do you mind not sharing something in confidence? We don't do that, do we? Say, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry, but are, are you sure you need to tell me this? That's just number one. Don't do it. Stop it. Huh? You, you're going to do that now, aren't you? Because I've given you a command imperative. Stop it. Second thing, don't complain about anything. Oh, it's gone. Where have I got it written down here? Don't complain about anything. I haven't got it on my slides here. Yes, I have. Number three, don't blame shift or make excuses. At the fall, Adam and Eve, what was the first thing that they did? God comes, says, oh, it's just that one that's not working. God says, you know, what's going on here? What does Eve do? It wasn't me, it was him, slimy creature. Right? But hey, guys, we know better. God says to Adam, what's going on, mate? put you in charge. I went, yeah, but it was her. If you, haven't, if, you haven't, if you haven't given me her, I know she's supposed to be my perfect partner and that's what we do, isn't it? It's inherent in us to point at somebody else. Stop it. Don't do it for a week. Don't blame somebody else for a week. Or make excuses. Don't defend yourself. If you're wrong, say sorry. Huh? Because if you try and defend yourself when you know you're in the wrong, where are you heading? Towards destruction. But we do that. Huh? And so I try and make sure, if I've done something wrong, I want to go, Lord, help me. First thing that comes out of my mouth is, I am sorry. Because now we can move on. Don't defend yourself. And then number five, don't boast about anything. There we are. Choose one of them. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up about which one you're going to choose. Choose one of them, and for this week, work at it. Which of those five do you find it hardest not to do? And husbands and wives, you can play a little game with each other and go, oh, look, they are.
Yeah? It's going to test marriages. We did it with my wife and I, we did it with our home group. You know, we'd barely shut the door to them all. And I said something, my wife went, look, look what you're doing. Five things on the other side. Speak only good. Thank God for his plan for your life. Admit it when you're wrong or you sin. Rejoice, you are worse than you think. And if you're going to boast about something, don't boast about anything apart from your weakness and your need for Christ. We are citizens of heaven. Where are you heading? Heaven is my home. The church is a colony of heaven. We are just like here... But that is what we're part of. That's the capital. We are a suburb. And we have all the rights as believers of people of the capital. But it's dependent on the supreme authority of Jesus. So our entrance into heaven is because we've trusted Christ. Our names are written down and we will enter his glory, on his merits, and intercession alone. But there's a tension to be managed here. We need to live out here and now what it means to be in Christ. It's a worldly challenge. What does it mean to be part of this world and yet not of the world? Two sets of values and cultures that clash. So it depends on who we're looking to and who we're focusing on. Because as we look to the future, we know change is coming and the Lord is coming because he's promised and we will be with him. And Paul calls Jesus Lord. And that would have connotations for Philippi, a Roman uh, satellite where at that moment in history, the emperors are beginning to take that title. And Paul is beginning to touch on that title and saying, you do not call the emperor Lord. There is one that is way above him, who has set him in place. And that's where we need to be focusing. Because Jesus Christ is Lord now and forever. Just for the theologians amongst you, when you look up uh, the word... uh, Uh, Lord, Paul interchanges that word for Jesus and for God. If there's any distinction you need to have, you know, they are interlinked in the Trinity. Paul uses the same word there, kurios. So do all roads lead to heaven? No, they don't. They don't. Let's move on. But we're going to have a new body experience. In verse 21, it says, He will transform our lonely, lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. This is our hope, that we would reflect something. Um, we may reflect something of our old body, but we also wanted to reflect something of where we're going. We need to know that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. There we go. So there's three things. How do we distinguish between these three things? Justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification is the gift by which we are forgiven and regarded as sinless. Sanctification is a gift from God in which we grow in our likeness of Christ, which is a process of living out the Christian life in this world. 
we are in the process of being made more Christ-like as we follow him. Glorification is the gift of entering into the joy of heaven and being fully transformed into Christ's likeness. Thief on the cross actually jumps the second one. He didn't have time, did he, to live the life. He's on the cross. He's about to die. Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Sins forgiven, straight to glory. We don't get that. We've got to live it out here. But as we allow Christ to work in us, he is sanctifying us to make us more like him. Um, so how does this work out? I just like um, three people. Um, so let, let's see. Shane, borrow you a minute. So if you, if you could, um, where are we going to put you? Let's put you over here. Um, have we met before? Yes. We have. We have. Okay. Yeah, not that that matters. <laughs> okay, for the purposes of this drama, I want you, you're going to take the part of, of Jesus. Right. All right. You're over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if we're going to take a spectrum of glorification, what would be the total opposite? What would be over here? Who would be over here? Who would you put over here? A, a human being. Think of someone in history. Who would you put? Right over here. Hitler. Okay. Um, where's Peter? Is Peter here? Peter Beggs? Is he hiding in the corner? Tell me he would be. He's outside. He's even got outside. You can't get him. <laughs> Gotta borrow someone to be Hitler. You haven't got to say or do anything. You're looking around. You come over here. You haven't got to do anything. Okay, I'm not going to give you a moustache or anything like that. All right, so when you stand over there. Okay, and then we need the third person. Okay, Pastor Rob, I'll borrow you a minute. All right. So let's bring you over here. So Pastor Rob, anointed, yeah? Gracious, loving man, Yeah? We want him to take the part of Paul. Yeah. So where would you put Paul? Yeah. Missionary, speaker, evangelist, pastor, godly man. You'd think, yeah, get in here. Is that, is that where we want him? <laughs> We're all the way down here. Yeah, you don't have to hug Hitler. That's all right. <laughs> you see, we are still here. We are being sanctified. We are being made more like Him, but we're not there yet. But we are going to heaven, and so when we get to heaven. Now you can embrace. This is glorification. This is where we're going to be. Bless you. We will get a new body, a resurrected body, and it starts when we come to faith in him. So when you look at each other, as fellow believers, do you see a resurrected body? When you look in the mirror, do I go, oh, thank the Lord, I'm resurrected body, look at me. (laughs) No. But I'm heading that way. I'm heading that way. How is it seen? You come across this, LJPPKGFGSC. What's that? Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Where are they evident in your life? Which are the, which are the ones that you need to see more of? 
If you want to be moving in this direction from there to over to here, this is where it starts. This is what we're looking for. And it only comes by a work of the Spirit. I've done that. I'm going to shoot through this very, very quickly. But in Exodus, Moses goes up the mountain and he meets with God. There is, there is an example of what glory looks like. We can't experience the glory of God now because it would be overpowering. When angels met um, people in the Bible, what's the first thing they said to them? Don't be afraid. Why? Because there is someone that, re that reflects God's glory far more than I do. It's overwhelming. I just fall over it. If Jesus was to appear, I cannot look. Every time there is an eschatological manifestation, there's a big term, look it up, um, in, the, in the Bible, God is saying, look the other way. He is protecting people from seeing his glory pass by. But glory is to do with presence. And it's, and it's gained by being in God's presence. Moses would go up Mount Sinai while the people were dancing around, filling their bellies. The glory of the Lord, this is what we learn from Moses, is number one, he needed to find a place to receive it. He met with God. It is important that we meet with God. If you want to reflect who Jesus is, you need to spend time with him. And then his glory can be called. Moses came down the mountain and what happened? People saw him shining. There was a difference about him. They said, will you start wearing a veil? Because it frightens us. And when you spend time with God and you go out and you are shining because you reflect something of his glory, you don't know that you have it, but others see it. And it frightens them. They see a difference in you. You can make a difference in society by the fact that you live out Christ in you. People will change their language. People, I have conversations with people, they stop swearing, they go, pardon my French. Because I don't reflect their language, I reflect Jesus. But when you've given out, you need to restore it. It's no good to just go, oh, well, I had a glorious day yesterday, so I'll just bask in that. I need to come back because I leak. But 2 Corinthians says we remove the veil. We remove the veil. There is no ignorance. There is no deceit. We are not seeking distort, to distort the word that Paul is arguing against here. And we are no longer blind to the message. But we are witnessing to those who are. And only in Christ is it going to get taken away. Where's the key? Time in God's presence. Time in God's presence. When Christ appears, we do not know that, but uh, we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And we have a, the Philippians have a destination of destruction, while our destination is glory. What's your hope for the future? This is what we're called to do: be prepared in season and out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. I've been out with non-Christians who've said to me, what do you do for a living? And I've gone, oh, do you know what? I want a day off from being a professional Christian. <laughs> so I go, oh, well, I'll work for a charity. They say to me, well, what charity is that? I'm like, oh, you know, the London Sea Mission, I bet you've never heard of it. I really hope you haven't heard of it because I don't want to talk about it. Okay, what do they do? Well, we're, oh no. Well, they're a, they're a Christian charity. I think now I've mentioned the word Christian, maybe you'll shut up. Okay, what do they do? What do you do? People are interested in what we do. Tell them, make it part of your everyday conversation. Let people know who you are and where you're coming from. When you're in work on Monday, let people know where you were now. Or do we just go, oh, well, I had a good weekend, and yeah, and I watched this, and I did that, and I went out with my mates, and I'm a bit tired now, I had a busy weekend. Or do you say, well, actually, I was in church worshipping God. We have a hope for the future, and we need to share it, because we are going home to the Father.
We are going home to the Father. It's a pale image now. It's a pale reflection, but we will be like him. And so when you think about those that you know within your family, your friends, who are heading for destruction, pray with tears in your eyes. You're not going to win them with clever argument. Pray with tears in your eyes. And share with them with tears in your eyes. And at the end of the day, where's the reward? Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have called us into your glory. That Paul looked forward to the day when he would be in your presence and he would have a new resurrected body that would reflect so much more of who you are in him. And so, Lord, we pray that as we go from here, as we go into this week, Lord, that you would shine through us, that you would speak through us, that others would see that there is a difference in the way that we live our lives that would cause them to question the way that they're going. And Lord, give us the words to say that we might see people come to faith in you. And Lord, break our hearts that as we share with with those, Lord, that it would be with tears in our eyes because we love them and we care about them and we want to see them in your family. And so thank you, Lord, that you've given us your spirit to work in us all that is good in order to do your will. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.